the B2B Messaging Podcast by Winter. Welcome back to the B2B Messaging Podcast. Today I have Doug Flora, Head of Product Marketing at Red Panda. Doug, thanks so much for being on today. Yeah, thank you. All right, I want to jump right in, get to know you a little bit. How did you get into product marketing and why did you choose that path? People end up in product marketing, I feel like, from a pretty diverse number of backgrounds. In some ways, I didn't choose it, at least off the bat. It kind of chose me, in a sense. My, my educational background was more in liberal arts. My first job out of school was in government, in communications. And I, that was a short stint. I ended up going over to the agency side. I worked at a marketing and PR agency that specifically worked with a client base of, of mostly tech startups and, and mid-sized companies. And that was in the early 2010s, which was kind of an auspicious time to be kind of getting in, into this industry because the cloud ecosystem was really kind of, that was really like kind of the beginning of this this bigger cloud ecosystem that was developing. Most of the, the companies that I worked with were were either you know cloud infrastructure or some kind of a cloud application provider, and what I found over time was you know I I, I really gravitated to um, getting deeper into the technology, getting deeper into the products, and really wanting to be on that side of things. And so you know I took a leap. I actually, first I, I went to IBM, and that was more in a content marketing capacity. But within a year, I had switched to a product marketing role. Because again, I just like, I always feel myself kind of just gravitating to wanting to understand products deeply, um, wanting to understand the technology deeply. And so on the technology side, I guess I'm pretty much self-taught or have learned on the job. And I guess you could also say that about my my product marketing expertise, right? And as compared to many of my colleagues might have actually studied uh, marketing, but I have you know, now I've been doing this for, you know, better part of a decade at first IBM, then Amazon, specifically in AWS, and now leading the function here at Red Panda, which is a, a Series C startup. We actually just announced our our latest round a couple of days ago. That's awesome. Congratulations on that. Doug, tell me a little bit, how do you approach messaging at Red Panda? So first, maybe a little bit about us. So Red Panda is a streaming data platform. So it's essentially an engine for developers and data engineers to kind of harness real-time data, real-time events for data-driven applications, data-driven analytics pipelines, increasingly AI ML models and, and use cases. And so, you know, whether it's like data coming in from edge locations or devices or, you know, machine parts in a, in a factory or operational metrics in the cloud, like these all need to be ingested rapidly and then kind of pushed downstream to all the applications that need that data. And this is increasingly how developers want to build. And so that is our core audience. Our core audience is data engineers, application developers, architects, kind of analytics architects. And it's a super technical audience, obviously. So messaging, the approach to messaging is, you know, first and foremost, like rooted in the product truth, technical marketing, technical differentiation. That's really what our, our audience cares about. But that being said, we have, you know, important value-based 
messaging as well. And part of our buying committee, of course, are the economic buyers, which in our case would be, you know, CIOs, CTOs, VPs of data, VPs of, of IT or engineering. And they want to understand benefits like total cost of ownership. How does this improve my team's operational agility or time to market? And so those value-based messages are, are also crucial. So really it's an exercise in tailoring, you know, the, the value that comes from our core technical differentiation, but then kind of making that come to life for the different audiences within our, our buying committee. How does that approach at Red Panda differ from your previous experiences at other companies? Well, it's, yeah, maybe there's a few different pieces to pick apart there because I have tended to work on a lot of kind of similar products like in data and infrastructure with where the, where the, where the, the customer is tech, a technical role, an engineer, a, an operations person. So it's maybe not too different fundamentally, but I would say that, you know, my background prior to Red Panda was in, in uh, larger enterprises. And so, you know, you at a, like at a very large enterprise, you get <laughs> there, there are a wide variance of approaches and, and it's not always consistent, right, across teams or, or products. And there is a tendency, I would say, you know, in the technology space to sometimes veer away from product truth because leaders get excited about the promise, right? So it's all about like, do you sell the product or do you sell the promise? Sometimes leaders get too excited about the promise and they and they kind of push messaging that, that veers too far from the core product truth. And that's something I've always tried to shy away from. I, I wouldn't say that I, no one has a perfect track record there, but but I, I have always tried to stay very close to product teams and engineering and customers to understand like, okay, what's really going on? What's really the value? What's really the, the capability? What are we and more, and, most, and more importantly, what are we not, right? So I would just say that, you know, it's just an inevitability that at very large organizations sometimes, sometimes messaging gets ahead of, of the product in a way. How do you then come up with the key messages that you want sent out to the market? Yeah, well, you know, part of the role of product marketing is to be the custodian of messaging kind of cross-functionally. And so what I mean by that is, uh, you know, you have to kind of own how is messaging delivered up and down the organization and at different stages of the customer journey. But you're also kind of responsible for making sure that you know, that messaging is validated and, and that it's impactful across all of those touch points. And so there's kind of like internal stakeholder management that's part of that, but there's also, you know, customer facing aspects to that. So I always, I, I think one of the key things to be successful is you have to be customer facing. If you're not customer facing, like I, you really can't do the job and you have to find ways it's not always an option to do like the traditional enterprise focus group for example maybe you don't have the budget maybe that's just not something that's on the table so that means that you have to find other ways to be customer facing maybe it's going to trade shows maybe it's hopping on sales calls with some regularity you know if you have to maybe it's just accessing recordings of sales calls with customers, but I think it's much better to not be a passive 
observer, but you gotta, you gotta get out there and you have to talk to customers. And if you're not doing that, it's very hard to build effective messaging. And then there's that internal stakeholder management aspect. Uh, everything needs to be validated with your core stakeholders and, and for product marketing, those are, you know, sales and customer success teams. Those are product teams. Often in technology, those are, those are also engineering teams. And then you can't leave out marketing, right? So the marketing demand generation and digital and those kind of functional marketing teams, you have to work closely with them to make sure that, you know, at a campaign level or even a channel or tactical level that those messages are, are resonating. So what is the, the message resonance across different channels with different customer segments? And then synthesizing all of that. PMM is the synthesizer that then <laughs> takes all of those inputs and, and, and builds something that hopefully over time gets more and more effective. How do you go about creating or translating that core messaging into those customer-facing assets? Like, for example, a website. You know, in terms of like who does what, it obviously is going to vary a lot from organization to organization and team to team at a, at a big company, you often have a lot of resources helping at a startup. You have less of that. You might be rolling up your sleeves a little bit more to write web copy yourself. But I think that's in a way, neither here nor there, because PMM's job is to, to build and maintain the core messaging. And that could be like in different form functions. Like it could be a messaging framework is kind of like the traditional way to maintain messaging. And I am a, a proponent of the messaging framework. It could be like narrative documents. That's kind of a, a popular approach at, at Amazon, for example. You know, I've even seen cases where the product detail page is considered the source of truth and that's directly maintained by product marketing. But whatever your method is, there has to be a core repository of, you know, the PMM approved messaging. And that's something that other teams or roles can like pick up and run with and, and use as a foundation to build, you know, things like website copy or social content or campaign messaging and so on and so forth. And then, you know, it's good to have flexibility to test different messages. So it's important to kind of arm your stakeholders with the ability to do that. But you also just, it really is part of PMM's job to maintain that source of truth and, and also make it consumable and easy for, for other stakeholders to, you know, leverage it and, 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 and use it. I think that's great. You brought up being flexible with your messaging, making sure you're getting the feedback from the stakeholders, you're getting the messaging out there to your customers. What's the validation? How do you know that your messaging is working? You know, I think it's a mix of quantitative and qualitative feedback. You know, I mentioned, you know, there are kind of traditional ways of, of doing this, things like focus groups. It's not always an option to do that. You know, I have been in focus groups where it's like literally you print off the product page and you put it in front of customers and you get a reaction, but that's rarely do you really have the opportunity to do that. I would say you got to look at where is messaging reaching customers. It's reaching customers at a, at a range of different touch points from the very top of the funnel with, you know, social and campaigns, marketing campaigns, events, and then all the way down to, you know, proofs of concept and 
deals won and closed. And you have to measure at different stages of the funnel. You know, we could get into marketing attribution. It's a sticky subject and, <laughs> and you could talk about that for hours. But at the end of the day, you have to understand in partnership with stakeholders like, you know, the field and the functional marketing and demand gen teams, you know, what are the core KPIs that we care about? And then how does messaging impact those? And are there ways that we can test messaging to impact those? And I can give you an example. I've been very successful with testing conversion on product detail pages by A-B testing, you know, different positioning statements, for example, like what is the above the fold top line messaging on the page? And can you iterate that? Iterate on that in ways that can improve conversion. That's That's a pretty basic example but you know that's kind of on the quantitative side and on the qualitative side that that just comes back to talking to customers you know if you just a couple weeks ago i was at a trade show i was at the booth with sales it's one of the best ways in my opinion to get that direct line of feedback from customers because you can sort of impromptu get this feedback right through the assets that you have at the booth or the me- the literal messaging on the booth itself you know any of those ways that you can just go out into the wild <laughs> yourself and and kind of be a bit of a, a sociologist and, and kind of collect that feedback directly it's interesting that you talk about getting this feedback and getting in front of customers seeing what their reactions are when you get that feedback what are the other ongoing activities that you take on to help improve and optimize your messaging? You know, it's a balance. You can't change messaging too often, obviously, because you you have to have a, enough data to go on to see if something's working. And so that means that you can't, you can't change, you can't overhaul messaging on a weekly basis. You're not going to be able to understand if it's effective or not. So I think, you know, the things that you experiment with more frequently are more like variations on on a theme, as it were, like, can we write this sentence a little bit differently and see if we get a, a better response? I think bigger changes in messaging, you know, you're looking at more of a quarterly or, or a few times a year overhaul to say the messaging framework. But you do have to make like incremental updates when probably like two or three key developments happen. Like number one, are there new capabilities that are being released in the product? Like that's going to probably demand that you revisit the messaging framework, you know, and see are there additional values or existing values that we want to amp up with those new capabilities coming in. Another one is like, do you have new buyer segments? Like, have you launched something that is actually introducing a new buyer persona? And do you need to incorporate that and build messaging for that persona? And maybe a third is like, are there market factors like in technology right now we're dealing with a little bit of a tightening people are caring more about things like saving cost so are there market dynamics that you know are going to make you want to like revisit messaging and and either emphasize or de-emphasize different things my next question is a little bit more personal to you is there a specific company or product or launch that you had the most fun working on messaging yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe I'll give two examples. I mean, I, right now I'm at, at Red Panda. I have been for about six months now. And honestly, it's a blast. You know, this is um, my first foray into an early stage, earlier stage startup. And I just 
I love the freedom, well, not the freedom, but the kind of the agility, the speed at which, at which you can move. And really that just kind of focus on, you know, a product that's new, newer to market. So I think there's a lot of exciting things there. We're just moving so fast and, and releasing things at the cadence that a startup can release them. So it just makes it very dynamic. I think kind of on the other end of the spectrum, when I was at AWS, I led product marketing for a category of products, the, the, the database services. And, you know, that was an opportunity to actually take like a lot of complexity. You've got 15 different products. And then how do you market that as a portfolio and as kind of like a set of solutions that the field can actually go sell as opposed to like overwhelming customers with, with complexity. So kind of two, two different ends of the spectrum, but I think those, yeah, those would stand out. You do have the, that wide experience on both ends of the spectrum with enterprise and startup. So in, in your experience to become great at crafting messaging, what do you think is needed? Some opinions may differ, but you know, I think it's hard to be a, a great product marketer if you're not a great writer. And it doesn't mean that you have to be Dostoevsky or Mark Twain, but I think that you you have to be able to write like clearly and in a way that kind of empathizes with with the audience, with the customer, that hopefully you have like a deep understanding of. And that takes practice. Like even if you're naturally gifted in writing, if you're not practicing, you get rusty very quickly. So I think you have to write constantly, even if you're not the person that's out there like building a website copy, at the end of the day, your job is to communicate clearly and efficiently and effectively. And you can only do that if you can write effectively, I believe. So I think you have to practice and that could be in like the longer form kind of narrative format. It can also be in those more kind of templatized messaging framework kind of formats, but you just have to do it and you just have to make sure that you make time for it. It also, you know, what they say at Amazon, which I believe in is good writing is good thinking. So like writing will force you to organize your thoughts and to, and to organize ultimately like, you know, your positioning and messaging that you're responsible for. The other thing I would say is like, you substantiating with data, you don't want to overwhelm people with too many data points. I think that's a, a, a mistake you see a lot in technology in particular, but you do want those like those few memorable, strong data points to kind of back up your different messaging pillars or your different benefit statements. Those, I think they it's just kind of like a little bit of a memory device, I guess, with customers is like, is there, is there a memorable number proof point that they can kind of attach that gives them a reason to believe? So I think being able, that's, that's where being data-driven and quantitative kind of comes into it. I think that's incredibly insightful. The, that phrase, good writing is good thinking, that motivates me to write a little bit more. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on today. Again, this has been Doug Flora, Head of Product Marketing at Red Panda. Do you have any final words of wisdom, any tips or advice that have helped you throughout your career? You know, I mentioned that early in my career, I started off in communications and I was actually my first job. I was working for the city of Bridgeport, Connecticut, and it's kind of an interesting place. It's it's both the largest city in Connecticut, but it's also kind of one of the, the more economically challenged. And, you know, I think they've kind of 
had some resurgence in, in recent years, but they've been kind of like a, a, you know, a challenged city for a long time with a lot of industry moving out of it historically. And so when I went over to work at a, at a PR agency, I guess, I don't remember doing this, but I guess in my interview, I said, yeah, I work for the city of Bridgeport. It's the, it's the largest city in Connecticut. And I didn't say anything about, you know, any, any other associations that people might have with it. Um, and later after I had started at the firm, my boss and I, they actually the founder of the firm, we were talking about positioning strategy for a client and he he kind of looked at me and he said you know when you interviewed here you didn't say that the city of bridgeport was kind of on hard times or run down you said that it was the biggest city in connecticut <laughs> and he said that's positioning and I, I that always stuck with me because i think it wasn't even something i did consciously right but i think like Positioning and messaging are all about, you know, you have to understand your, your, your product, whatever your product is, maybe it's a city, maybe it's software, but you have to understand its strengths, but you also have to understand its weaknesses because the last thing that you want to do is position a weakness as a strength. That's just going to set you up for failure. And then the third thing is you, you really have to understand your audience like as intimately as you can get to know them, get to, get to feel like you can, can be them almost, right? Think, think, think their thoughts and that'll make you a, a great messenger. That's some great advice. It's a great anecdote. I, I appreciate you. That. Doug, thank you so much for being on today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it was great. Thanks for having me. This has been B2B Messaging Podcast. We'll catch you next time.